While a nationwide lockdown is probably the most effective means to contain the spread of the virus, it cannot be sustained indefinitely. Our people need to eat, they need to earn a living, companies need to be able to produce and to trade, they need to generate revenue and keep their employees in employment. When is the lockdown going to end? Are we getting paroled yet? Is he going to extend this thing? What is the president going to say? Yes, yes. These are all the questions you've been asking. Well, on Thursday, President Soldamaposa put us all out of our misery. Or maybe not so much. I don't know how you read it. So he did announce that the lockdown will come to an end on the 30th of April. But what is tricky about the end of the lockdown is that the restrictions, a lot of the restrictions will still remain they'll stay in play you know they'll still be there there will be five coronavirus levels the first level is what we call level five which means that drastic measures are required to contain the spread of the virus to save lives level four means that some activity can be allowed to resume subject to extreme precautions required to limit community transmission and outbreaks. We still can't have large public gatherings at four. We still can't travel between provinces. We're still being urged to stay at home, really, for the most part. We're still going to live a restricted life. So it's not going to get easy. And I think what we all need to always remember is that we've been told that this thing the virus that is coronavirus the covid-19 pandemic in this country will likely to is likely to peak at about september october so it's going to be with us for a very long while so yeah there you have it yes the lockdown is over but no not so much level 3 involves the easing of some restrictions including on work and social activities to address high risk of transmission Level two involves the further easing of restrictions, but the maintenance of physical distancing and restrictions on some leisure and social activities to prevent a resurgence of the virus. Level one means that most normal activity can resume with precautions and health guidelines at all times no you still can't buy alcohol just buy and buy <laughs> not at level four no you can't and uh, so so that's kind of where we are i must also say that this was not the first uh, briefing that we had on thursday from the president he addressed the country earlier this week about the economic uh, measures to assist because you know our country is also in a meltdown it is junk status the economy is kind of halted and trying to rebuild it is also going to be a, a a near impossible task not necessarily i think it can be done but it will be a difficult task so he also announced measures around that the impact of the coronavirus requires an extraordinary coronavirus budget of around 500 billion rand to direct resources towards fighting the pandemic this will include the reprioritization of around 130 billion rand within our current budget. The rest of the funds will be raised from both local sources, such as the Unemployment Insurance Fund, 
and from global partners and international finance institutions. To date, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the BRICS Bank, the New Development Bank that is, and the African Development Bank have been approached and are working with the National Treasury on various funding transactions. And in this fund, with this 500 billion, you'll see all manner of grants coming out. So you'll have people who are unemployed and who don't get social grants receiving, I think, 350 a month for the next six months. Uh, people who are on social grants will get an increment to their social grants. Um, businesses that are going to suffer, the small businesses, will get even more support. The UIF fund, of course, coming into play for those who are funding themselves out of jobs as well. And I also know that about $20 billion, if I remember well, will be given to municipalities to assist with issues such as sanitation, water, and housing the homeless, you know, finding shelter for the homeless and making sure that they're also fed. Millions of South Africans and the informal economy and those without employment are struggling to survive. Poverty and food insecurity have deepened dramatically in the course of just a few weeks. To reach the most vulnerable families in our country, we have decided on a temporary six-month coronavirus grant. We will direct 50 billion rand towards relieving the plight of those who are most desperately affected by the coronavirus. So the thing about getting out of a hard lockdown is what it would look like, you know. So we do know we're going to level four, as the president said earlier. But on Saturday, we also had ministers, Ibrahim Patel and Dr. Nkosa Zanadlamini Zuma, kind of explaining how it'll unfold. So they were speaking about curfews. There's still no selling of alcohol. The issue of cigarettes, I promise you, that's still going to be in the air. I could hear how she spoke about it on Saturday that something might still happen there so maybe don't get too excited they did say that some of these rules as they go along will be adjusted as the public has now been given a chance to have a say on the regulations and what they need to look like so yeah so there'll be interesting things some retailers outside of non-essential services are going to to open up and how that's going to work how will it actually play itself out so we're trying to reimagine reimagine a new world and how south africa would look like but i think the most critical thing that was said is it's up to us how this works you know whether we continue reducing the levels all the way to level one way it's good times again or we'll find ourselves at something even more stringent and more difficult to function within than level five remember we still have not had a state of emergency we still have not had a state of emergency but with seventy thousand, <laughs> with seventy thousand troops on the ground hey that doesn't seem too far off. So there's a lot of work we need to do as South Africans to keep the virus from moving. As they said, when you move, it moves. So you stay home, you stay put, so it doesn't find a thriving ground, you know, to grow and to, 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 to spread even further. The question of gatherings, social, cultural, religious gatherings are out, weddings, they are still out in level four. The only exception is still the funerals. The regulations will be published on Thursday, which will be before Friday, about under which conditions you can exercise. 
so we, those will be published then. But as I said, it would be under very strict conditions because we actually still under lockdown. We're discouraging to see people in the streets. So there'll be no organized walking, no organized jogging, no organized sporting. There'll be no going to the gym. Uh, and as the president himself said, exercise would be under very strict conditions. So as the lockdown starts winding down, I've been doing just a little bit of thinking about about the media, you know, we form part of essential services. And while there is a lockdown and many are expected to be at home and not to work, we have been working and the expectations really haven't changed in newsrooms. You know, um, management still has those targets. They still want to see them met. And I've just been wondering how we fared as well, you know, how, how have we done, are we fit for purpose and how we've told the story. And so for this week, the sixth episode of One More Thing with myself, Tidi Madia. <laughs> I love them babies. I'll be joined by Sebenzi Linkambule. She's a media practitioner and a human rights activist. And she'll share her thoughts with us now about how have we fared? Are we fit for purpose? And what we need to think about as the media as we move towards a post-COVID-19 world. Sebe, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Tidi. It's good to speak to you. Sebe, um, you know, I looked at a survey very recently speaking about how great South African media has been doing. You know, I think we rank number two. As far as reliable news regarding the pandemic is concerned, it seems we're doing a relatively good job. Just your general assessment of how we are bringing the news to South Africans. It's a tough question, uh, Tidi, because one must ask from which perspective are we looking at this from, right? This is an unusual situation. It's covering something that has not happened before. And so how do you cover something that hasn't happened before? Well, you cover it as you would something (laughs) that just hasn't happened before. You have to ask new questions. So within newsrooms, are editors asking reporters, journalists to think about issues anew? So if we're asking about numbers, Are we getting the numbers in and fast? Yes, we're doing that well. But I don't think that's a function of reporting. I think that's just a function of the comms that's happening within the health ministry in particular, but also the work that's happening globally, particularly the Johns Hopkins um, University Institute, who are putting out the global stats, they're collating um, country stats, they're coming in thick and fast, right? So that's really just a function of having solid resources, having solid research institutes who are doing the work. And then what media entities are doing is just picking that up. But if we're talking about being able to really think about what's happening and the fact that a new world is being created as we go and are our journals whether it's broadcasters or print journals are they really asking i think nuanced questions about who 
you know, who some of the key voices we should be picking up from are and so on. I don't think that's happening enough. The story is bigger than the numbers, but that's not what I'm hearing from the multiple platforms that I tune into on a daily basis. I like that. I want to pick a little bit at that because I personally have an issue in that I think there's a human interest level that's getting lost. I think that the numbers are critical. I think that the science is critical. Tracking the virus is critical. But I often do feel that there's a gap where the actual impact on human lives, the, the impact of the lockdown, of the new world that's being built around us, isn't reflected enough. Where are the gaps and what do we do to quickly close those gaps? How should journalists be thinking with every assignment they receive in navigating the space? What I've seen a lot of CD is journalists kind of, you know, covering the the economic angle, so speaking to people who may be queuing for work, um, the social support angle, speaking to people who may be queuing for food parcels and so on, right? Shoving a camera in somebody's face um, who's, who's there seeking support. And I think also we can have a conversation about why that's, um, that's appropriate and why I, I particularly believe uh, it's, it's, it's often done in an inappropriate way. I mean, in the way that just a camera is shoved in people's faces. It's, you don't yes, see that yes, kind yes. of stuff in, 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 in Santon, right? You, you, you don't see... There's, there's just a level of dignity that's afforded more well-off people in this country. And this happens the world over, yeah? People who are more comfortable, who are, um, you know, the affluent, upper middle class are treated in a particular way and the poor are treated in a, in a particular way. And so you, you continue to see, to see those elements... Um, but I do like the fact that even though I think it doesn't make sense in terms of just the risk associated with journalists being in communities and being out and about, it was quite interesting to hear what, um, what, what, what people in communities are feeling. So I remember I saw one, I think it was on Newsroom, um, Africa, where they had a conversation and this may have been in week two of lockdown possibly, and they were in Alex. And there was just, you know, Amachi, Tamaouti hanging out in the streets. Um, and, and there was a powerful comment one dude made where he said, but we, we're used to death. We see death every day. So you can't, you know, make us fear death. This is what we, we know. And oh my goodness, but, but they moved over that so, so quickly. That, put, that particular comment hit me in the gut. I thought, oh my goodness, this speaks to normal life normal daily life how how struggle and strife is so common in the country that somebody making such a comment you just you know you receive it in passing and you don't even pause to acknowledge that that is indicative of the the challenges and and the and the hardship that the majority of people in this country live through. So I feel like they've, and, and there are a number of those moments that, that we missed, but of course we get excited when it's the famous newsmakers that say something absurd or say something interesting and that, and that's what we run with. And then we miss to your point that, you know, the, 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 the raw and, and pure human angle that you don't quite uh, get to experience on any given day. Along with the fact that you spoke about, um, 
the, the, the focus on the economy. Um, what does that say about the way our media houses function, what informs us? Because I think it is a greater reflection of who we are as a society, you know. If our journalists are told the focus is economy, what does that say? If our focus is not to understand how damning and how critical a comment about we see death every day and we just watch right over it, what does that say about our media houses and the society that we function within? Well, I think it, overall, it, it just says that the, the, there is a level of being of being ill prepared in general. But I think every sector could be a could really be described as being ill prepared. Nobody could have could have prepared for this pandemic. But I think what it says and what it shows about our everyday engagement and interaction with people is is that we we approach it from a very privileged position, right? Um, you may have a lot. Of, you mean the media, as, as, as the media, absolutely. But just in terms of mainstream, I think we're falling short. We're not in touch. We accuse our government for not being in touch with the masses. But I tell you what, we need to turn the mirror to ourselves. We are not in touch with the masses, the masses of our people, as the politicians would say. We're, we're not in touch at <laughs> all. Isn't... And you see it in how we report. You see it in how we speak about issues. We see it in how we sensationalize some things, um, what is, is viewed as some extraordinary or unusual phenomenon, which is really normal on any given day if we were as in touch and on the ground as, as what we should be. How do you get over that? And I, I, and I ask this from perspective of, as a journalist who's deployed to a story, sometimes there's not enough wiggle room to maneuver around the angle. So you might think that actually the angle I'm being asked to pursue is out of touch with the reality and what's important on the ground, but you're not the editor, you're not the person in charge, you're not the person who's tasked with driving and steering a particular view of a media house. So how do you get over that as a lowly journalist? I mean, I get deployed to stories and sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't know about whether this is a thing or not. The difference between myself and maybe the next journalist that I, I'm vocal, I'll say I don't agree, but the next one, kind of sort of doesn't. So how do they navigate that too? We must fire the people in charge. No, I, I joke. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> yes, moving right along. <laughs> so, so, so in part, it's, you know, I was actually reflecting about this earlier that for the longest time, whenever we think about the state of journalism in South Africa um, and more broadly, globally, we talk about the generalization of newsrooms and that yes, being... Yes one of the reasons why you know the state of journalism is not as ideal as 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 we wanted to be it's not what we wanted to be however what covid-19 is showing us is that the older more experienced journalists the legends in the newsrooms are proving to not be fit for purpose at a time where Innovation is the name of the game. Agility is the name of the game. Adjustment is the name of the game. They are proving not to be fit for purpose because they are still approaching stories, still approaching coverage with the same methodology, with the same values, with the same way that they've been doing it for the last 30, 40 years that they've been in that same newsroom, right? Where it's a time that, that has required us to, to figure out how do we still reach people? How do we still get those compelling stories? How do we still ensure that we... we Who is that in the background? Is that your nephew? nephew? <laughs> 
That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> this is what happens in a virtual world. He's having like what sounds like a ninja match in the middle of discussing the state of media. I love it. That, <laughs> that works perfectly. I know, right? So, yes. So, they are not flexible and adapting enough to a new world not, order. Not, not at all. As we experience a new world order. I was chatting, I was chatting to, to a colleague of mine um, who's, who's in Turkey. Um, and, and she was saying that... Um, very quickly, it just became the norm that no journalists were were, were going out. They, they sorted themselves out very quickly, that people were working from home, people were working, from, uh, were working remotely, and then you have the the bare minimum in, in the office, right? So you have the people who, you just, you just, skeleton. Yeah, you have just skeleton stuff in the office. It's just two or three people, and, and you take all sorts of measures, but everybody who... You can keep at home, you keep at home. And even reporters are not out and about on, on, on the streets. And we had that conversation a day or two after the news came that um, two, in fact, it was after the first SABC journalist um, was tested positive for corona in the Northern Cape. And then a week or two later, if I'm not mistaken, there was an, an, a journalist in Auckland Park who then was tested, uh, who tested yes, positive. Yes, yes, that's accurate. And we just yes. thought, like, how, Sway? How is it that this kind of risk was not was was not foreseen, was not mitigated against, right? How is it that you have the public broadcaster, the biggest media outfit we have um, in, 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 in the region, not the most, the most resourced, not being able to adjust, not being able to be agile enough to say, this is how we're going to equip people. So, so, so leadership obviously had a number of considerations to make. And this is a couple of weeks ago now. Um, you we can easily argue that entities had at least 14 days to make a plan, right? So to ask, do our people have enough sanitizers, have enough masks? Do our, um, do, who, who needs to be set up with mobile devices so they can work from home? Um, how much data um, you know, do we need to get to people and so on? How do we ensure that we get people out of the office? Yes, it's easier for some than others. However, I think what we've been seeing just has not been good enough. I think for the for the industry, I think the news has not broadcast again. Maybe television news in particular. I'd love to see what the numbers are, even even for radio. I imagine that print is struggling quite a bit. We're not out and about getting and buying papers. We should subscribe more certainly, but you have a lot more people who are watching who are watching the news or who want to know more about the story. I'd be fascinated to know what kind of work is happening within newsrooms in understanding the the consumption patterns of South Africans currently, right? What um what what different demographics or uh, uh, demographic groups are, are listening to, who they're listening to, what they're searching for, how they're acquiring news, how many video downloads are we seeing on social media, um, on on news sites, um, on you know wh- what particular slot is attracting the most, the largest audiences, and so on. People are watch are watching the news, are watching a lot more because they want this information. So how are we responding to that? It's something that I am particularly looking into and doing some research around that. But just from from an audience perspective and what I am consuming, it's business as usual. And that for me is baffling, Tidi. How is it that we're doing things the same way? It's unusual times. 
it's it's if everything is is strange it's an opportunity to try out some things right whether it's a specialist show if you can whether it's um a health focused show or a transport focused show or whatever like it's an opportunity to try some things out but i think that opportunity is not being taken it's business as usual and that for me is is a damn shame. With that in mind, my parting shot has to be the way forward. You know, one day COVID-19 will be a thing of the past. If opportunities like this aren't being capitalized and used thoroughly by people in the media space, right? What happens in a post-COVID-19 world in South Africa? Ultimately, when the fourth estate doesn't have its house in order, society loses. Society is the greatest loser. So if we don't get our house in order, we are failing in what is our fundamental mandate, right? So what does what does getting our house in order look like? I think that the picture will become clear with time. The great thing about this pandemic not going away um, anytime soon, anytime before 18 to 24 months, means that we've got a bit of time to play with, a bit of time to plan and try things out. So we need, we need to look at one um our, our our resources how well kitted out are we how fit for purpose are we in being able to get and reach the people that we need to reach um in terms of language diversity this is probably for um government communications um as well as for ourselves how how fit for purpose are we um in in, in ensuring that we are able to to, to get um the story there but also how how vigilant are we a great concern of mine has been, you know, in the in the now four weeks of, of, of lockdown, Parliament went to sleep. Legislatures went to sleep. It's only now that they're starting remote meetings and they're busy greeting mm, each other, hi mm, friend, hi friend. Called and the party, and, and yeah. your grandparents there in, in Parliament see that are struggling with technology. Oh my gosh, channel four eight. <laughs> Yeah, Reveling in abusing citizens are actually being called to account. None of that was happening, and it is the job of the fourth estate to remain vigilant. And we were we were caught wanting in the same way many other institutions were caught wanting. So how do we make sure that we remain fit for purpose for the next twenty four months and forever? And that's kind of where we leave it. You know, the questions to come for South African media and many other institutions, as Seven is saying, is are we fit for purpose in a post-COVID-19 world? Seve, thank you so much. I don't want to call you a media commentator. I don't want to call you somebody in the NGO space. I'll call you a friend and somebody whose views <laughs> I revere so, so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, TD. Uh, this, this was fun. And, and cut out the stuff that'll get me into trouble. <laughs> All right, so that was Seven Zilin Kambule. 
human rights activist and a media practitioner speaking about the media's role during the COVID-19 era. Are we fit for purpose even post the virus and the outbreak? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. This week will be another week without the top three with Tandwa. That's usually brought to you by my colleague Lisa Katandwa at the politics desk here at News24 as we continue bringing you rolling coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. And that's it from us, actually. We'll see you again next week. My name is TV Madia and this was produced by Noctula Magnati.